Good morning, everybody. During this time of social and physical distancing, SACPA believes it's important to keep engaging with the public on important issues of the day. And in order to do so, we are very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight, and the Lethbridge Herald. Today's speaker is Bill Ginther, Executive Director of the Lethbridge Soup Kitchen. He came to this role after having spent most of his career in international relief and development with a focus on food security, primarily in Eastern Africa. Welcome, Bill. It's a pleasure to have you here, and we look forward to your talk. Thank you very much for, for the, for the um, introduction. Um, um, I want to, first of all, say thank you to SACPA for inviting me uh, to share a little bit about what has been my passion over many years, which has now continued um, in the role that I currently occupy as has been identified. Uh, and that is having the opportunity to provide leadership to our organization as we continue to provide hot and nutritious meals to our homeless neighbors. We do what we do from a Christian perspective with a biblical mandate as spelled out in Matthew 25, which says in part what, that what we do for those in need, we do unto him. My personal approach to the work we do is to respect our guests and to do everything that we can to restore and enhance their dignity. With that in mind, we have done everything we can to upgrade our rented facility provided by the city of Lethbridge. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, bear with me a little bit while I scroll here. Uh, to create a warm and welcoming environment for those we serve. Our mission statement um, worded very simply is that as an organization, we are committed to provide hot, nutritious meals for those in need in our community. I'm so grateful and thankful for the great board of directors that we have who volunteer their time and their gifts, uh, led by none other than SACPA member and raging granny, Barb Phillips, who currently serves as um, our board, board president. From our humble beginnings uh, within a with a group of caring individuals in a church basement on October the 1st, 1984, um, to our current operation where we lit, where we serve, now literally, because of the way we're doing things now, a hot breakfast and lunch to between 80 and 100 very needy and appreciative guests. We're only able to do what we do uh, seven days a week uh, with the help of an incredible core of volunteers, now numbering well over 850 people. We have many churches, companies, service clubs that make up the groups that serve regularly, many once a month or more. My greatest pleasure is to have groups from local schools um, uh, and area schools that come to volunteer, knowing that becoming familiar with um, um, pardon me, let me back up a little bit, uh, with the needs of our community and having direct face-to-face -face contact with our guests has a tremendous impact on them and their understanding of how fortunate we all are to have families and homes to go to every day. Some of our volunteers have been part of our, our team since day one and are still doing so faithfully at ages, age 92, 93. When I shared one couple's uh, story recently and told the listener that they had served every month since 1984, they quickly reminded me that they had missed our first month of operation. Serving a number of meals 
the number of meals we do requires a, a rather healthy supply of raw materials, and we are supported by a host of grocery stores and also many Hutterite colonies um, and places like that who together donate close to $60,000 worth of food every single month. And this value is determined by CRA rules, which allow us to provide a charitable receipt uh, at $2.50 a pound of food that is made available to us. We're also part of a uh, food share program with two local food banks, uh, Interfaith Food Bank and Lethbridge Food Bank, where we freely share items uh, that are more than we need, we can make use of in a, t a timely matter. Uh, manner, pardon me. We give the amount of food, given the amount of food that we receive, we have started sharing with other organizations in need in our city. These include the Boys and Girls Club, YWCA Harbor House, Wilson Middle Schools, uh, Weekends and More Program, uh, two low-income seniors housing units in our city, as well as numerous low-income families as identified by the LDS and Seventh-day Adventist churches in our city. In terms of the funding we need to, to meet our day-to-day our -day expenses, we're again blessed to have tremendous support from local uh, churches, from service clubs, and very generous private donors who ensure that our annual budget of approximately $220,000 is met from year to year. As an organization, uh, we have chosen not to rely on government funding, do apply for several grants through the United Way, the Community Foundation, and Catholic Charities through the diocese in Calgary. We uh, run several small-scale fundraising events or resource development initiatives, as I prefer to um, call events such as this. I have so much more to share with you, but in keeping with my 28-minute time limit, um, I would like to move to the, the current pandemic and how it has affected us as an organization. We have been impacted as have has everyone else in our society, in the world as such. And I will tell you that I think those that have been impacted uh, the most severely and profoundly are, are those folks who are homeless. Um, not only have they lost their places to go, like a mall or a library, but they also don't fully understand, uh, as I don't either, what's really happening and the changes that are occurring every day. So it has affected our, our organization's ability to continue providing uh, hot meals to our guests. I heard a great line at an interview uh, on CBC this morning, and it went something like this. We are all on a personal roller coaster ride in the world theme park that is our current experience. And so everybody's experience is different. And so what we experience is not what you experience. And so I want to share a bit more about what we've done to help mitigate the spread of the virus uh, that we've heard so much about. So I, I would, pardon me, I'll, I'll get the right word here. Suffice it to say that we too have been greatly impacted. Um, I refer to this uh, virus as a silent and invisible enemy. I think for many people, it's hard to fathom the impact it has on many people, including the homeless. Uh, as an organization, we are keenly aware of the day-to-day -day changes and suggestions provided to us 
and all of us, through the various government departments that have done everything possible to adhere to many recommendations regarding what was once called uh, social distancing and now called physical distancing. Despite uh, reading a line at the end of every press release that states that um, soup kitchens are uh, exempt from uh, any of the um, uh, measures that are are suggested from the numbers of people, uh, etc. And I'm just scrolling back, if you don't mind, I just uh, lost my place for a little bit, so bear with me and I'm getting there. Um, sometimes computers roll up uh, faster than we'd like them to. Um, so again, despite being told that we're exempt, we have still done everything possible to uh, uh, implement measures that will provide a safe environment for our guests, our volunteers, and our staff. This includes things like uh, marking areas of the floor in our building into two-meter sections and in, in, uh, insisting that all of our volunteers and staff respect that distance unless they are from the same family household. We have introduced stringent hand-washing measures for everyone to the point where I share with people you should wash your hands Somewhat like if you were slicing up jalapeno peppers and then um, um, touching your eye. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, we require that all of those who are preparing or serving food um, wear disposable gloves at all times and to change them with every change of kitchen duties. Within our dining room where we serve our guests, we have reduced the number of chairs per table to two from the original eight that we had set up uh, in the past, uh, thereby ensuring that we have created adequate physical uh, space between people. We have changed our serving methods from guests lining up for their food, which we have done for many, many years, to where we set the table with everything needed before our guests are ushered, invited to the table. No other interaction takes place uh, uh, between us and our guests except from a safe uh, space. We're also insistent that there's no socializing, which is very common in the homeless um, population, by way of guests moving from table to table or sharing food. The only acceptable movement is entering and leaving our facility. For the past three weeks, we have utilized only single-serve dishes, cups, etc., which unfortunately have resulted in a significant cost to our organization and sadly creates a lot of um, extra garbage to the point where we have had to arrange for a dumpster. Some of you have uh, picked up on, possibly seen uh, numerous um, stories that have been done on the work that we're doing, and myself included. And the most recent one appeared on a, a new website called Spark YQL, where I referred to the pandemic as a dark cloud, which for us definitely has not uh, only uh, created a silver lining in the dark cloud, but a gold lining. I'll explain that a little bit more. Since the onset of this life-changing event, we have seen a marked increase in food donations, as well as very generous cash donations to assist us with the work that we're doing. As we all know, many restaurants have been forced to, to close, and in the early stages, uh, we were receiving a, a lot of um, um, perishable items uh, when restaurants um, 
closed their doors and also went as far as to donate all of their product to us. It's been a bit of a challenge to utilize all of these items in a timely manner. And I have to say very uh, uh, with a thankful heart that we have not had to throw out anything. We have provided some items to local farmers and people that have animals like, uh, for example, rabbits who gladly eat lettuce even if it's spoiled. There's so much more I could say about this, but I simply want to add that our community, as usual, has stepped up in amazing ways, and we are more than grateful. I believe that we as an organization are one of very few, and maybe the only one, where for us, for all intents and purposes, it's business as usual. As usual. We are, we are serving the same amount of meals as we did prior to this pandemic and are, in fact, adding new programs, in particular, our first ever Sunday evening meal we call the Chef's Table. This is an upscale-style meal served by underemployed chefs and servers and other volunteers um, who are available. Uh, we this past Sunday, we served 137 guests, and many of them responded with um, things like, uh, this is not only 100%, it's 200%. And so it just is, feels really good to up the ante, uh, so to speak, to provide even better service than in the past. I am also convinced that we will continue to serve the style that we are now doing, hopefully with a few more people per table than, than we currently do. Uh, but we found that it doesn't take a lot more time than it did before. So again, we're, we're grateful for those who have stepped up. We're also in the planning stages of reintroducing our, our, evening, meal, um, our evening meal program, which will be served where our guests will be served a hot meal between 6 and 7 p.m. every day of the week uh, to add it to the Sunday that I've just mentioned. Now, given that many of our volunteers are older folks in their 70s and 80s, we have seen a significant drop in the number of regular volunteers whose children and grandchildren have encouraged them not to come. But many of these uh, people have been replaced by a new group of younger volunteers, such as teachers and others whose jobs have been placed on hold on a temporary basis. We also have seen local service clubs, such as a local uh, Rotary Club, Lethbridge Rotary East, step up and provide a hot breakfast, um, as, as well as to putting together uh, events and uh, opportunities for their members to contribute to us. And so there's been some amazing numbers and some amazing stories related to that. For those of you that follow us on Facebook, if you don't, you should. It's The Lethbridge Soup, Kit Soup Kitchen on Facebook, uh, and we post something most days. I do want to emphasize that there have been some, just some amazing stories, and I want to share with you, uh, with the uh, time I have remaining, and I see I still have a, a bit, uh, and that is that we have seen some things that I would never have imagined. Uh, I had a uh, phone call, oops, not to touch my face, uh, about uh, a week and a half ago from a young lady by the name of Eva Ketchmark from Lomond, and Eva is 12 years old, and Eva came to uh, the soup kitchen to help serve a meal to our guests, um, I think a few months ago, and um, I think she came twice with uh, other members of her family and also members of her school class. Uh, Eva was so moved by what she heard, as I normally 
uh, as much as possible share with young people the, the impact that they're having and get them to fully understand how fortunate they are. Uh, and so she shared with me how her life was changed. Now, I was quite moved by that because we have um, a number of grandchildren that age, around that age, uh, and to hear someone say that my life was changed at 12 years old, I really wonder what the future holds for her. Eva is part of the Area 4-H Club, and what 4-H members do, at least the Beef Club, they um, raise um, a young calf from birth uh, to market uh, size and weight, which can be up to a thousand pounds. Eva decided, given that the uh, local um, or the current pandemic has not allowed their 4-H club to do their usual auction, that she would donate that animal to us. So we went out to visit her yesterday and did um, a story. And uh, some of the things she said were just that she feels that given the situation we're in at this point, many people are without food, and she wants to do her part as a 12-year-old to provide for the hungry people locally and the world. And so it's a pretty, um, a pretty um, ambitious uh, approach for a person of her age, and we were blessed uh, to uh, get to meet her uh, and her mother and father out on the farm. That story is getting some traction, and it should, because we have people that are just... Um, stepping up in a way that we would not have imagined. We will have access to this animal, which will be uh, completely processed, cut, and wrapped, and frozen. Um, and the family has also decided to pay the 600 dollars to pay for that, uh, so it'll be no cost to us. And as we do with an other animals that have been made available to us, we generally arrange for them to be um, cut up uh, into uh, things like... Um, ground beef, which we can use most readily, partially because a good uh, percentage of our guests don't have teeth, so it makes it more difficult to, you know, to eat a normal steak or something like that. I have to admit, it, it gives me a bit of pause to realize that we're cutting this expensive meat uh, into ground beef, but it's something we need at this point, and so we will continue to do that as our needs are there. I also want to say again that our local community has been incredible. The number of people that have uh, stepped up and offered uh, help, I get many, many, uh, um, many people reach me by phone and by email saying that we have food that we would like to donate, but we are feeling that we shouldn't leave our homes. And so they'll place the items in question on their steps, and I will go there after hours with great pleasure and um, simply retrieve these items and they become a part of our inventory. As you can imagine, our inventory has increased a lot. Our, uh, both our uh, walk-in cooler and freezer uh, have many items stacked on the floor, which we, we don't want to um, discuss too broadly, although I just have, uh, because we like to stay within the uh, health regulations and keep things neat and clean so that there's no risk of, uh, of making anyone ill. Um, I want to say that earlier I stated about the uh, COVID-19 mitigation measures, which I've called 101.8 or 9 or 10 as we adjust each day. Uh, we have uh, made the decision that we will, at this point, not utilize masks, primarily due to the fact that I have not had a definitive answer from anyone, including the medical experts, whether this should be done. We had one church group uh, uh, late last week whose membership or whose leadership made the decision on behalf of the 
group of about 10 individuals that they would prefer for them to wear masks. I did say I am certainly not opposed to people doing that to a great degree, but I did not want them and insisted on that to wear masks while our guests are in the uh, in our dining room. The reason being that I think we've instilled enough fear in those who don't fully understand what's happening. And I think to have them being served by uh, you know, a large group of individuals uh, looking like masked marauders, <laughs> if I can say it that way, I think that instills uh, uh, unnecessary fear. So at this point, we have not been told that we need to. Uh, we have not been told that we need to close our doors, although we are prepared. Uh, we have contingency plans in the event that we would reach that point where our doors could be closed. I've been part of a um, large discussion group, uh, which is, I guess, referred to as an emergency measures approach, where we are prepared in the event that this, uh, this pandemic would worsen. I don't know if there's a word for a, a pandemic that is worse than it was before. But we are prepared. We have plans in place that we would, in fact, prepare meals in our facility as we are able, uh, as long as we're allowed to enter. And these would then be made available to people on a takeout basis, which is something that we have um, resisted in the past. We feel that it may not be the healthiest approach. But we do feel that we need to continue to provide not only... Um, um, not only a bagged lunch, which I, I don't disagree with, but we want to up the ante for our guests and provide them with a hot meal, particular uh, due to the fact that they are out of doors, they have no place to go, uh, they need to have a hot meal such as a hot breakfast uh, with oatmeal, um, because that is what gets you going for the day. Uh, most of our guests will not have any access to food on their own, uh, so they are totally dependent on us and we are more than willing to continue to provide the meals that they need following a Canada food guide and making sure that we have a good variety of foods that would be in their best interest to, uh, to absorb. Um, we also uh, are very, very committed, along with our many volunteers and also those who support us, uh, to continue as long as we're able. Um, so I, I want to say with the few minutes that I have left that we, I want to emphasize that the soup kitchen will continue to operate as we are allowed to. And I mean by that is if, if uh, our um, ability to do our job is curtailed, we'll adjust accordingly. So that in the unlikely event, from my perspective, that things deteriorate uh, to the point where we will, our doors will be closed, we, as I said earlier, we have contingency, contingency, that's hard to say, plans in place where we will continue to provide the meals that our homeless population needs, regardless of the circumstances we face. I, uh, one more time, and I have a couple of more things I want to share with you, uh, is, but before I do it, before I run out of time, I want to make sure that I say, uh, uh, you know, a thank you uh, to all of you uh, that are members of SACPA which I only learned recently is Southern Alberta Council, I believe, of Public Affairs. Um, so my obviously my first time uh, sharing uh, in this forum, 
uh, but I also have met many people that are part of this, what I, I, I feel is a great organization that provides some valuable information, and I trust that the information I have shared will be considered valuable as well. Um, so I, I want to again say thank you for affording me the opportunity to share just a little bit about the, the work that our volunteers and staff do to ensure that we are in fact providing hot, nutritious meals to the most vulnerable in our city. I do want to add that I feel that uh, I would much prefer to have some of our um, dedicated volunteers in this spot uh, rather than me. I know that we have many people that um, would have great things to say, uh, and I am also um, deferring to them when uh, some of the many um, news or media outlets come to see what we're doing. Uh, I would much rather have them uh, share what's happening. But I, I do realize my responsibility. I do realize that I'm in a position to be the face of the Lethbridge Soup Kitchen, and I do that with, uh, I'm honored to do that, and I do that with great pleasure. Some of you may know that this is my third unretirement job, and so I just feel that I have been placed here for a purpose. It's certainly not without error, uh, but we do adjust accordingly uh, when we do things that maybe are not necessarily seen as being in the best interest of those we serve. But again, I will emphasize that whatever we do, and this is stated uh, on a regular basis to our staff and also our volunteers, we will do everything we can to enhance the dignity of people. I do know there's very little dignity when you're on the wrong side of a soup kitchen line. Um, this is not a place where people want to be. I am convinced there's no one that has ever stated that when I grow up, I'm going to live. Um, I'm going to live in poverty. I am going to be um, poor. I am going to be lined up with my hand out, with the hope that there will pe be people that will provide my day-to-day -day needs. No one aspires to that, and so I am fully aware that most of our guests will not, or would not, be where they are if these, their circumstances were better. We do deal with a lot of folks that are dealing with severe addictions, uh, things also like fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, we have people that tell me on a daily basis that I wish nothing more than to move beyond where I'm at. And so I know our city is working diligently to rehome uh, many people. I've heard the number of 150 that would not look after the homeless population that we currently have in our city. But I think we're doing things that we need to do. It's it's extremely unfortunate that it takes a difficult um, pandemic such as this to have people sit up and take notice and start to uh, make plans to assist those most vulnerable in our society. So I want to end again by saying I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, I'm open to um, uh, having anyone stop by if you feel safe at the soup kitchen, as long as you wear your gloves and not masks. Um, and I uh, am very excited about answering any of the questions which I, I think there may be. I do know one person who already told me they would ask a question. I want to share with you quickly that in terms of the answers to the questions, I will do my best to answer them, obviously, to the best of my ability. But I've also been, uh, it's been said that 
uh, some of us know how to uh, uh, create an answer that sounds plausible. Uh, I, I won't go that route. I will, I will resist the politician's approach and give you a non-answer. I will answer to the best of my ability, but recognizing that, that we are in a, it's a very fluid situation. And what I say today may be different tomorrow, only because of what we have been told and continue to hear. So again, thank you for your patience. And I think this is, is very close to the end of the time that we have. So again, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Um, thank you for being here. And um, we certainly do have some questions that are lined up in the chat. So let me just start with uh, Tim from the Leftbridge Herald has a question for you. Um, we have had some people express their concerns about the lineups mm. outside the soup kitchen. How are you ensuring better physical distancing out there? Mm. Well, it is um, a question that I knew I would be asked because I've been asked before. And one, my answer, I hope it's not too long an answer, but my answer to that is that it is extremely difficult and virtually impossible to control and physical distance folks that are homeless. As we know, homeless folks will gather. It's what they do. The gathering is for their own um, community because they don't have a place to gather. Secondly, they gather so that they can exchange uh, those items that you and I would wish they didn't. Um, they also um, are very, very community-minded in terms of they, they stick together like brothers and sisters. Uh, one of the things that we find very difficult and we have realized that it is not our mandate is to, uh, to quote, control people outside of our building um, because we know when they come in, we do have spaces allotted for them in two meter uh, sections. And for the old school people, that's five feet, 11 and a half inches. Um, but that is, as soon as they come into our building, we uh, make sure that that is followed. But when they leave our building, they will go right back together. I had one person reach me about two weeks ago and was very upset about that we weren't doing anything about the outside uh, physical distancing. And my response to her, and it would be the same to everyone, if you want to come to our facility and assist us with the distancing outside, we would welcome you and we'd wish you the best. Thank you. Um, Beth Mundell congratulates you uh, on the Sunday Chef's Meal. Mm -hmm. Then we have a Trev Trevor Page asking a question. How many more are you serving since COVID-19? Well, very interestingly, we have realized um, smaller numbers. And I, I can't really say why that should be. Uh, we generally average between 75 and 90 in that range, depending on the weather. It depends on when people receive their H checks. We have realized that within the last week, many of our guests have received their GST checks. And so when that happens, people will tend to utilize those funds to check into a local hotel so they can actually have a bath and have a warm place and watch TV. Uh, we also have people that will go to local fast food uh, um, establishments, which they can still do uh, by walking in and walking out. And so our numbers have been down uh, probably... I'm going to say by about 20 to 25 percent, although that varies from meal to meal. Our evening meal last Sunday, we had 137, as I mentioned er earlier. So I think this is a normal approach in terms of the, or the, our, our, 
or a no, pardon me, a normal reaction based on the climate, that it's nicer out, people are walking further. There are those who go out to the local ditches and pick up bottles for them to uh, utilize for some additional money for cigarettes, etc. cetera. Uh, so I think our numbers will go back up. So not a significant number. I think a normal um, up and down sort of uh, approach that we have seen for a long time. Thank you. Bev Mandela uh, has a question for you. Are you still having volunteers? And if so, do they wear masks and gloves? And I know you've answered, you've talked quite elaborately for masks, but maybe yeah. uh, not talk too much about gloves. I know you've mentioned it, but... Yeah, uh, we, we certainly do um, have uh, an adequate number of uh, people that are coming to volunteer. Uh, we don't need as many as we did. We often said we needed between 8 uh, and 12 individuals to assist us with the uh, meal preparation, uh, serving, and also cleanup. Uh, because of our style of serving, two at a time per table, and we just basically move in to set the table and move out, uh, uh, there really isn't near as much work. The food that we prepare is, is exactly like it was, uh, but it takes us less time to serve, less time to clean up, so our numbers are, uh, our required number of people to assist us is smaller. Um, we do, we have seen, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of younger people who are underemployed or who are uh, on EI uh, are now available. And I also know that there are many husbands whose wives, this could sound sexist, but many husbands whose wives really want them out of the house. Please go and do something. And so we're seeing that. And not only men, we're seeing a lot of young women, uh, also students who are uh, not as busy as they were. Uh, but moving to the um, wearing of masks, I mentioned earlier, and I'll just quickly uh, share a bit about that. Uh, we have decided uh, that at this point, uh, there is no proven evidence, uh, it's all over the map uh, by the medical professionals that it is a good idea, it's not a good idea, it helps, it doesn't help. So we've decided that uh, rather than to uh, instill fear uh, in our, our guests by seeing people in masks all around them, that we would prefer that not happen. We will not say no to someone wearing a mask, but we have no stock of masks, uh, we have no stock of masks available to us. And gloves? Uh, yes, absolutely. We have spent a lot on gloves. If someone wants to know, I'd be happy to share that. Um, we make sure that gloves are worn at all times. Uh, there is not a person within our facility who is at all involved with food that uh, is not wearing gloves. Uh, these gloves are, um, um, uh, as I said earlier, they are um, used all the time. And if there's a change in the type of work, even moving from one type of food to the next, uh, in particular, if someone were to use the washroom, I know that goes without saying, uh, we exchange gloves many times during a shift. Thank you. Knut uh, has a follow-up question on the volunteers. Knut uh, Peterson, mm -hmm. regarding volunteers, is there a need because some regular volunteers are feeling compromised related to their age? And I think you kind of hinted at it, but maybe... Yeah, there is a need. Uh, we've, we are finding that during our breakfast program, and breakfast generally isn't as, quote, elaborate as a noon meal would be, at least not in my home. Um, and uh, so it takes fewer people doing that uh, um, 
breakfast preparation time. Uh, so we, we do need people during our lunchtime. We have managed with four people. It means a lot of rushing. Uh, I have moved out of my office and moved into the, uh, not as much prep, but into the serving area. I still want to relate to our guests, and it's very important for them to realize we're still there for them. Uh, and having become a little bit of a father figure to many of our guests who are all younger than I am, um, it, it's important for them to have that sense of acceptance that we're still there for them. So if people are interested, they can certainly be in contact with us uh, in terms of the noon meal. Uh, we'd be happy to add a few more people in. But I do want to add, we, if people feel uncomfortable coming, if they give off that air of being ill at ease, I would prefer they not come. Because I don't, again, want to uh, show to our guests who we're serving as before uh, that we are, are afraid to be there. So that's really important to me. So you say they can contact you. How can they contact the Lethbridge Food, uh, the Lethbridge Soup Kitchen? Probably the best is to reach me on my cell. And some people will say, "Well, why are you doing that?" But because I want to make sure I'm available. That number is five eight seven two two zero eight six eight eight, and I am at the soup kitchen more than I am anywhere else. And so I am very willing to look at the schedule and I simply write you in. The only thing that we ask is if you commit to come, please show up, please be there, and if you can't, just let us know so we can find a spot for you. We also have a fairly long list of people that are on call. They can be and have been uh, um, awakened at 5.30 in the morning to come because some people have not come. Uh, this is not a negative comment on anybody, but sometimes people do forget, I have, not to go to work, but I have things in my life that I have not remembered, especially during these days. I do remember my name, though, and my wife's name, so I think she'll be happy to hear that. Wonderful, thank you. Um, a comment here, or a question here by um, Mark Goodall. Although you are quite flush with food items at the moment, are there spe specific items you are running out of? Any desperate needs? You know, not in particular. Um, the easy answer would be money. Uh, however, I don't want to leave that impression because we have never asked for money and we are not doing that now. The approach I've used in all my adult life is to provide an opportunity for people to see a need and, and allow those individuals uh, uh, to respond as they see fit. Uh, there are things that we, we do not receive. Uh, those are things like um, pancake syrup. It's something that sounds odd, but we have to... Uh, it's not that it comes in, we have to buy it. And that's, of course, an expense. Uh, we do uh, need things like coffee. We go through 160 cups of coffee per meal. Uh, coffee is a staple. It's probably not part of the Canada Food Guide, but it's a staple for us, for our guests. And so also creamer for coffee is something we're always short of. I guess the last thing I'd think of off the top would be pasta sauce. We do a lot of, uh, um, a lot of our meals uh, involve uh, uh, that product. And so those are things that we could utilize and would be happy to accept. And how do you accept um, uh, both food and financial donations? Yeah, um, for food, it, it's, it's actually quite easy if people feel um, comfortable coming to our facility. Uh, they're happy to just bring them there. We're, there's someone there from about 6.30 in the morning till usually about 2.30 in the afternoon. So they can come, and we're at 802 2A Avenue North. Uh, also, if they feel uncomfortable, uh, they can just let us know by the number that I gave, and I will be, or someone, 
one of our staff will, will be there, will happily come up with a cart to accept the items. All items are also receivable uh, in something called a GIK, which is a gift in kind. And we can, again, as I said earlier, we can receipt you the value of the items that you donate if you wish. In terms of um, making a financial donation, uh, again, relatively simple. Uh, we do not, we are not set up to take a uh, credit card payment as of yet, mostly because we are currently uh, a member of um, um, a bank that has some pretty stringent requirements around double signing, which of course is normal in a nonprofit organization. So it's just been a, a little bit of a difficulty uh, s setting it up. And the bank that we've been dealing with has been closed for three weeks due to renovations. So we're dealing with a different branch. So we, we tell people uh, we are happy to accept a check. And I, I've said the address, but the postal code to add to that is T1H0C9. And simply make the check out to Lethbridge Soup Kitchen. You will be receipted in a timely manner. Not, a, not as timely as in the past, but certainly so. Um, also, uh, it's possible to donate via Canada Helps, which is a great resource. They, you will be received immediately, and uh, we uh, also receive the funds within a week. Uh, they do take a small percentage. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's 3%. I, I could be wrong. Um, you can also donate um, via Facebook. Uh, there's several mediums, and if in doubt, you can always give me a call, and I can give you some some options. I will also come to your home and and pick up your check if you like, but I do insist I bring if you if you let me know the amount, I will bring the receipt with you when I come. So I exchange the uh, the gift you give us for a receipt, which you get right there. Excellent, thank you. We have a question from Mike Mike um, McGuagger. I understand that the soup kitchen agreement with Street Alive to provide the evening dinner program. What are your plans going forward to provide the essential evening meal for your guests? Yes, we, we did have a, uh, an MOU with the folks at Streets Alive who do wonderful work um, in the community and have done so for 30 years. Um, they did, um, uh, they were in contact with us about a year and a half ago saying that they would like to utilize our facility for meals and we were uh, certainly amenable to that. Uh, we put together a six-month um, um, MOU uh, um, the, the words are escaping me right now, uh, pilot project uh, with them, and uh, that was funded by the city of Lethbridge or by your tax dollars. Uh, it went okay. Uh, one of the things we found very quickly that um, some organizations are not that s well set up to provide hot meals, and we found that to be the case. So it, there were a number of reasons why we decided not to continue, but we are moving forward. Uh, our first evening meal is already... Uh, has begun on Sunday evenings with a chef's table, the underemployed uh, chefs, which is amazing. Uh, we have uh, added, f starting this coming week, uh, so this is the first official announcement, um, is that we have, Mon I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, I think, are now uh, already booked with groups. So we'll, we will be starting our evening meal program again Monday. I'm not certain at this point, depending on how people respond. So if you have a group of people, um, six people, that are willing to come once a month, once a week, occasionally, let me know, and we'll fill that schedule. I put the word out to Lima, which is the Lethbridge Evangelical Ministerial Association, that we would like uh, groups from uh, different youth groups, um, family groupings, anyone that is willing. There's no experience needed. If you're willing, that's the first requirement. And so it will begin starting this week. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Laurie Schultz, with the increase of volunteers from younger demographics, some of whom are future leaders and voters and undoubtedly are on a learning curve about, about poverty and homelessness, what impact may this have on your advocacy and holding policymakers to account on the issues of impoverished and homeless individuals now and in the future? Great question. I will go back to my earlier um, story about 12-year-old Eva, who came and was impacted enough at that early age to say that I have been changed. Uh, these are people that are going to make the change. Uh, individuals who, for possibly the first time in their lives, come in direct um, close, uh, close contact. It's uh, the, right ter the wrong term now, but become in contact by seeing and serving those in need. I think this leaves a lasting impression. I think these are individuals that will are becoming informed. These are individuals that will not sit by idly and allow people to be either mistreated or not treated with respect. I see a tremendous opportunity for us as I've always done to share with young people the importance of stepping up. Let's also say that volunteerism looks really good on young people's resumes. And I, I know that because when I hire, the first line I look at, what have you done as a volunteer? So I think uh, I wouldn't have enough time to tell you uh, what the impact is by having a younger uh, uh, age demographic uh, be available uh, as they are and how they're being affected by what they see. Lovely, thank you. And our next question is from Graham Smith. Do you also provide food for takeout? That's a tough question to answer, Graham. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, and only because uh, we have been, almost not ignoring, but we have been um, changing our feelings a little bit about uh, whether we need to adhere as strictly to health regulations as in the past. We do know that the regulations that we uh, follow very closely is that we cannot allow hot prepared food to be transported. So that becomes awkward because if you're handing out a hot meal to someone out your door, is that a hot meal being transported? It is. However, we the letter of the law, I think, if it's a law, the regulation, the health regulation is that the idea is to keep the food hot enough so there's no risk of it becoming spoiled. Well, if you serve something in a clamshell and you hand it out the door, it's not going to stay hot very long. And so we're looking at that as saying that in these circumstances, yes. However, this is not something we are making available to the general public only because there is a great network of groups uh, set up who are doing just that. Meals on Wheels is doing that on a regular basis as they have for many years, utilizing volunteers. We also have our local food banks um, are making food available um, to families. I think there is also a network of uh, volunteers that are bringing food out. We are distributing, or the schools, pardon me, are distributing food to families and brought to their front step, as far as I know. So there's a lot of great opportunities uh, for us, or for us as a community, to provide meals to go, so to speak. Uh, I always smile when our friends uh, in other countries, for example, um, uh, friends we have in Norway, uh, refer to it as take away. 
So I guess we do have takeaway meals for, for some people, and not that we're limiting who that should be, but we, we defer to other agencies for that. Thank you. Trevor Page, are you concerned that your approach may encourage a syndrome of dependency? No, uh, not at all. Uh, I know that we have always had those who, um, uh, for various reasons, mostly due to addictions and, and, as I said earlier, things like fetal alcohol syndrome and, I should add, mental health issues where people are simply not in a position to provide for themselves. I also know that without an address, you cannot get a job. And I would ask any of you that are listening now, if you are hiring and if I were to bring you a resume, I shouldn't use my example, if a homeless person were to bring you a resume without an address or a phone number, do you think that that resume would move to the top of the pile? And I have that answer for you. The answer is no. And so if you give your address as, as um, the shelter, or as the soup kitchen, everyone knows 802 2A North is our address. So no, I, I don't think we do. There's always that fear. And I'm going to go on the le out on a limb and say, there is a good possibility that maybe two to 5% of our guests are using the system. But if you can show me other parts of society where the system is not used, I would be very surprised and I'd be happy to hear that. Not happy, but I'd be interested. So the answer is, do we develop dependency? I'm going to say no. Thank you. And Knut Peterson has a related question to, to Trevor's question. How many homeless people are there in Lethbridge and are your guests the same every day? It's really difficult to answer because it's a fluid situation all the time because people move in, people move out. I, I know most of our guests by name and all of them by face. Most of them, I guess I should say, a very high percentage. I do see changes. People will be with us for weeks and months and years and suddenly they're gone. Now, my worst fear is that they have died. Uh, and I know that has happened because I could name people that I, I knew quite well who are no longer on this earth. So that is kind of the difficult part. I, I want to refer to um, a comment made, I'm going to say two years ago, by the city of Medicine Hat, who, who boldly stated, we have no homeless population. And I'm going to ref uh, say to that that that's impossible because that could change in five minutes. There are people now in this pandemic who have lost many um, of their resources. There will be more homeless people. I know that. People who have to renege on their mortgage payments. And I'm no expert. I'm not a banker in any way. But I do know that many people in North America live from paycheck to paycheck. And there are also many who are probably two paychecks away from not meeting their, their obligations. So there will be more. Are they the same ones? I'm not sure if I fully follow the question. Could I have it asked another time? Yes. Um, so how many homeless people are there in Lethbridge mm. and are your guests the same every day? My best guess is that we're looking at between 225 and 250, uh, only because that is a, a number that uh, has been stated to me a number of times. There was a, quote, head count. There was a census done. I don't know when, uh, but I'm not sure how accurate that is. It really depends on what you call someone who's homeless. If I am living with my friend and sleeping on his or her couch, am I homeless? 
it simply means that you don't have ownership of a place or you don't have a rental agreement with uh, a landlord. Uh, if you're living in your car and you consider that your home, are you homeless? If you're living in the shed in someone's backyard, that's not a home, are you homeless? So it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, most of our guests are very consistent. We recognize who comes. We know who comes in the lineup first. We know who comes last. We know who comes when we're closed and insists that they need a meal uh, after hours. Uh, so very much the same. It changes somewhat because of our city is known to be a little milder weather than many other places in this country uh, and even in this province. So there's quite a bit of movement. Our, I also know uh, that our supervised consumption site, which I was operating 24 hours a day, does encourage people to come to our city because I'm not aware of other cities where uh, that is an option for them uh, 24 hours a day. Thank you. And Knut Peterson has a second question. Does the soup kitchen receive money or benefits from the city? Yes. Um, we receive $38,100 from the city of Lethbridge once a year. It's part of their, I think it's part of their GST rebate that they receive, and they share it among the different agencies that, that utilize property that they own. And so that is the only funding we receive, with the exception, again, of the pilot project for the... Uh, meal program, the evening meal, that actually was uh, funneled through Streets Alive, and because we had an agreement with them to cover the cost of our staff and our utilities, basically the, the, the funding that they received, which was 2500 a month, or $100 a day, came to us to help offset expenses. That's the only government, uh, pardon me, the only city funding we receive. We have never, and we choose not to, as I said earlier, receive any funding from either provincial or federal governments. Be, uh, primarily because we're a faith-based organization, we do things a little bit differently. Uh, we don't push our faith on anyone, but at the same time, we I am uh, fearful that if we receive government funding, there will be many more restrictions that we on us than we are able to maintain. Okay. Um, I see no more questions in the chat. Um, I do have a question of my own, but just to say that if you have a question, please ask it now uh, in the chat. Um, my question to you is, um, do you monitor at all for COVID-19 uh, symptoms, uh, both among your volunteers and among the people that um, your guests? And um, do you have a protocol in place if you do um, see some symptoms that, that may be looking like it may be COVID-19 related? Uh, because we don't have the expertise to do that, uh, we rely, mm, pardon me, we rely completely on, I guess, self-examination. We remind our volunteers and guests at all times, if you're ill, even something that may, in a very small way, make you think that maybe you're infected, uh, make sure you see a doctor, make sure you don't come and see us because we, we, we can't have you there then. If anyone were to have a cough, and we know that a cough is, uh, is uh, misconstrued these days because I've resisted uh, doing that at all during this um, time we've had together 
Sometimes you get a, a scratchy throat and it's immediately, oh no, I'm now infected. So we don't have the means. We don't have methods to do any of that. We have seen no hint of any sort within our guests, nothing at all. I have not heard anyone cough. I have, I have not seen or heard anything to that um, to that extent at all. So again, I guess we're asking people to be vigilant. We're asking people to self-monitor, uh, to self-isolate if they feel there's a need. I think it's worked well. We've had nothing at all that has given me any reason to doubt that we're doing what we need to do. Thank you. Um, Beth Mundell has a question. With some homeless houses in, in hotels and at the Fritzig, do you see problems with these guests getting to the soup kitchen from distances? And do you provide meals to Fritzig? Yeah. Um, we, as all of you know, uh, the city has set up what they call a dry shelter, which is at LSCO, Fritzig Auditorium or gym. I think it's working well. Uh, what they have decided to do is that those who are placed there between 50 and 60 uh, are people that are quite ambulatory, people that can get around quite easily, uh, people that are not elderly. Uh, so it has not been... A I asked someone this morning, is it difficult for you to walk from there? It's near City Hall, for those that are not aware where that where the, the second shelter is. Um, it's, not a, it's not a long walk. It takes literally five minutes. So we have not seen a, a marked um, change in people not coming. Um, those are that are in hotels, and I can't give you that number. Uh, they are being provided meals uh, via or through the Salvation Army, who have their mobile food truck. Uh, also through um, Streets Alive, that are um, providing bagged lunches. Uh, I don't know how they're distributed. I haven't been there. Um, uh, we also have the blood truck. Pardon me. The Blood Tribe uh, has started within the last few days distributing some meals to people outside. Um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to say something that I might regret, but what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, is more and more groups are trying to provide meals for people. But I think we're providing too many. What I'm seeing is, for example, if we serve an evening meal to 137 people, there are still three or four organizations that are handing out bagged lunches to people. I'm afraid to say that if you looked in garbage bins and around town, you would see a good percentage of these um, bags that are scattered around because I can only eat so much, and I know I eat more than I should, but I don't see how this many meals should be provided. I'm, I guess I'm urging all organizations who may be listening or those of you that would be willing to share that, let's try to centralize what we do. We do that with our shelters. We don't have them scattered throughout the city. We do that with our services in our city. But I'm finding, and I think people mean well, they're stepping up and thinking that we need to provide yet another meal. I have heard of people handing out bag lunches at 10 o'clock at night outside the consumption site. And I'm saying, why? Everyone had how many meals today? And... People are not going hungry. So I would just deplore people, I think that's the right word, uh, to think about what you're doing. Is it really being helpful? If you're being helpful, you should partner with an agency such as the Soup Kitchen who's already doing this. Our capacity, we're way beyond our capacity. We have space to, to, you know, to offer food for 150 people, not at one time. We do only 20-ish in our building at one time, right? But... Don't try to be everything to everybody. 
we're trying to do our one part. We're staying within the food service area only. We're not doing any of the other much-needed services. So I would really urge other agencies who are trying to do their best, stay with what you know. Stay with what you know is needed. Don't duplicate and provide services that are over and above what is needed. Thank you. And then um, a question by Graham Smith. What are the most favorite dishes? Wow, that's really hard to answer. Um, I guess I would have to say that a lot of the our guests, as I said earlier, uh, don't have teeth. I, I don't know the number, uh, but quite a few that don't really have a proper way of chewing. So there's things that we... Um, uh, shepherd's pie is a favorite. Um, interestingly, hot dogs are a favorite. We don't do them often. Um, we do soup. We're a soup kitchen. Doesn't mean we do soup very often. Um, things like, And desserts are probably the favorite. Um, and I think that's not new. Um, lemon pie, if you have some of those, they would be literally devoured within minutes. So uh, hot meals is really what we're looking for. We get zero complaints. We do not. We have a full meal, a, a, a main dish. We have a salad. Always have a good fresh salad. We always have dessert. We always have lots to drink. We always have coffee. So I can't say that there would be a favorite. They do really like chicken, uh, which we don't have very much of. Um, but... Yeah, I didn't like pretty well anything. Thank you. Laurie Schultz, have you been able to confirm meals are being thrown away? Yes. Um, I have seen a lot, uh, not only out in the public, but in our parking lot, because meals are served there in the evening as well, like bagged lunches. I see a lot of remnants of meals all around town. I haven't been to Gulf Gardens, but I could guarantee you that if you went to Gulf Gardens, you would find many leftover bags there as well. Okay, and then a follow-up question by Laurie Schultz. Has there been a proposal to coordinate efforts? I think it's always been there. I don't think it's a proposal as such. I think there is a little bit of protecting territory. Again, this is me, and I'm not afraid to say what I think, so I hope no one's offended. Uh, but I think we have tried. But I think what has happened is that as someone, one of our our city hall staff said to me recently, and you've heard this often, there are silos. And we have done a very good job of establishing a silo. This is our area. Don't you enter there, right? Uh, and I think that's those silos have to be broken down. Uh, I think we need to communicate more. I think we need to say, is what we're doing effective? Just because I'm providing a meal does not necessarily, oh, here I go, <coughs> pardon me, does not necessarily mean that it's what is needed. Okay, and with that, that was the last question. Thank I want to thank you very much for coming here today and for speaking to SACPA. And um, I think with that, we'll sign off. Thank Great. you, everybody. Thank you. <coughs> now I can cough. <laughs>